Gracious Father, thank you for loving us and giving us your son. Lord, I just want to thank you for the gospel yet again. Lord, may we never get over the gospel. Lord, um, I pray that we would return to Christ and do what Paul did, is to live um, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and gave, us, gave himself for us. And Lord, that that would be true of us today with relationship to technology as well and helping others to walk faithfully using uh, this, um, this really kind of new development um, over the last 25 years. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well... I, uh, I was looking through my notes again yesterday, and I realized I have a ton of notes for this. So hopefully, if you feel like we're going at breakneck speed, I apologize, but uh, there's a lot of material on this, and uh, I probably need to find a way to trim it down or turn it into two lectures. Maybe that would be better. So, uh, Well, with regard to technology, um, I'm not sure that the church, no, actually I would say I am sure that the church was not ready. Church was not ready for uh, the fast-paced advance of technology over the last 25 years and how it, are, how it affect our daily lives, just the, the way that we live. I mean, um, trying to think back, what was it like whenever my parents told me, call me when you get there, right? <laughs> when you get to, you know, Kyle's house, call me when you get there. Like what? That was a uh, a reality that uh, that is is so distant in my memory. It, it's like the phone is an, another appendage for us. And how do we deal with that? What, what what should we think about that? And how can we take the scriptures and apply um, apply them to an addiction to this kind of thing? We're playing catch up, I think. We're playing catch-up when it comes to technology. Uh, we drank it all in too quickly without applying a God-centered heart of wisdom. And so I want to help us do that in this lecture, look at some overarching principles to help direct us, and then we're going to explore the heart of addiction to technology and the biblical way out. So let's get started with some basic principles. First of all, technology can be used for good or evil. That's true. You can use tech, and you can use it for the glory of God. You can use it for sinful, selfish purposes. It's... Uh, so we would say um, that technology itself is not innately evil. Like it's, if I pick up my phone, this is not like an evil box in my, my pocket. But I can use it for evil. Or I can use it for good. Right? Like everything else, we should use technology for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you're doing, right? Everything should be done for his honor to show him as the treasure that he is. Including the way that we use technology. Examples of God-glorifying uses of technology would be online Bible study tools. I'm, I'm constantly amazed at what is available for free in studying the Bible online. Right? There's tons of th stuff out there you don't even have to pay for to have access to. And so use those. Let's, let's make sure that we're using technology for these reasons. Sermon podcasts are plentiful out there. Right? Good sermon podcasts. I remember back in the day, there was some, some like when technology was really starting to, to rise to the surface and put, people were putting sermons online, you had to pay for them. Now you just get it all for free. So are we, uh, are we taking that for granted? What else? Uh, using reminders and notifications on your phone to pray or memorize scripture. I know I've been helped by that. We have, uh, the, at our, in our church, we have the Fighter Versus app put out by uh, Children Desiring God, and I use that you know, constantly. I love that on my phone. 
And whenever, uh, whenever I'm in line somewhere, I'm d- doing something that doesn't require a whole lot of thought, you can pull that out and, and access the, the Scripture Memory app. Right? Using Facebook or Twitter or social media to share the gospel and point uh, others to edifying posts online. That's a good way you can use technology. Using texts to encourage others. Um, how many times have you been blessed by somebody who took seriously some of these commandments to encourage and edify and sent you a verse of scripture right when you needed it? And the providence of God, he used that to, to bless your soul and to help you uh, with a burden that you were facing as you walked into some, you know, whether it's a, a doctor's appointment or you're walking into a test or, or some hard meeting you had at work. Yeah. So praise the Lord um, for technology being used in these ways. But also, there are simple uses of technology as well. Viewing pornography online. Binge-watching TV shows on Netflix, right? Just no restraint. That's what we're talking about when we talk about binge-watching. Self-promotion through social media. We'll talk more about that later. But just, you know, putting yourself out there, you know, so people can like you or retweet you or... um, you know, whatever it is that uh, people are doing on the newer forms of social media that I don't know anything about. <laughs> Living vicariously through video games. Uh, by the way, I'll just, um, as a side note here, I my two sons and my daughter as well, um, but I went through a book with my two sons who are older, they're 15 and 13, and uh, it's called A Student's Guide to Gaming by Reagan Rose. It's put out by Christian Focus. I think it just came out this year. It's a short little book, maybe 80 pages long, five chapters. And I took my boys through that over the course of maybe you know five or six weeks. And we, we read the chapter and discussed it on, on Monday afternoons. And it was a wonderful book and helping them understand. You know, they love video games. And so I wanted them to see things from God's perspective and, and to approach it with wisdom. And so uh, Student's Guide to Gaming by Reagan Rose is $3.99 on Amazon. Pretty good deal. Doom scrolling. You know what doom scrolling is? Uh, it's this idea that you you get on a a social media feed and you just continue to to scroll through these dismal, um, chaotic, depressing stories about how bad the world is, and you just, you get stuck in this loop. And you're just, uh, and and so I'm not saying don't understand what's going on in the world, so you can pray, right, and, and so you can apply the gospel to it. But you have to remember that um, God's in control, right? And so you just get stuck in the, all of the what's going on in, in, in Ukraine, what's going on you know, in, in your community and what's going on in the world and, in the, and with politics. And it becomes this, I used to say, it feels like walking through a car wash, right? Um, it's what it feels like when you get done with social media when you use it in that way, doom scrolling. So um, we need to make sure that we understand that it can be used for good or for evil, but also... Um, we need to understand that if, when, and how we use technology comes from our heart, right? It comes from the heart, Matthew fifteen nineteen. It's If you're in, in track two, no doubt you know this text already, but I'll read it again. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adulter- adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, right? So... Um, it comes out of the heart, out and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we can, we, our heart can use technology for evil or for good. But it comes from the heart. How we use it 
Uh, we don't blame the technology, in other words, right? You don't blame the phone. You don't blame the social media. You used it, right? People are using social media. They're using their computers. They're using their phones, right? And they're, the way that they're using it comes from the heart. It can be for the glory of God or it can be sinful, as we saw in Matthew fifteen nineteen. So, yeah, we cannot blame technology for our sins. Technology did not make you do it, ultimately. But much vigilance is needed at the heart level when considering our use of technology. Proverbs 4.23 is one I often go back to when thinking about the heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So you could um, take the word keep and you could also translate it guard. Guard your heart. Why? For from your heart, right, flow the springs of life. In other words, every decision that you make comes out of your heart. The direction of your life comes out of your heart. So you want to be sure to guard it well with constant vigilance, including how you use technology. Michael Kruger says technology doesn't necessarily create some patterns. It exacerbates them. I'm sorry. Yeah. Unmasking technology addiction, or you could call it an indulgent use of technology. Indulgent use of technology. And I say unmasking because it is subtle and many people don't realize it's a problem since so many other people do the same thing, right? Um, we're unmasking technology use because everybody, I mean, it seems like everybody's got a smartphone. Everyone's got, uh, everyone's got technology. It's just become a way of life. And so we, we don't always um, call out ourselves or other people on their indulgent use of technology because it's this herd mentality, Right? Everyone's got the phone. And we all say, yeah, I probably shouldn't look at the phone as much as I do. But we, no one really says much about it other than that. We, we need good challenge when it comes to this from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because like anything, other than God, technology too can become an idol. Right? Anything that we exalt to the throne of our hearts, the throne of our affections, um, anything that we're willing to sin to get or sin if we can't have it, right? And that's, I think that's helpful because, um, man, uh, we, we, do a, uh, we do a video game fast at my house twice a year for a month for each of those, right? So in August and in January, we do a month-long video game fast for our kids because you start to notice something. Like when, when you say, hey, it's time to turn that off, and they start to get testy, right? Sort of get angry, you know, or they don't turn it off um, when you tell them to. They go, just one more minute, just one more minute. So we, we have to help them see, oh, you don't need this thing. You like it, you want it, but we're going to separate you from this for a while so that you can see that, um, it, yes, it's a good gift, but not God, right? Uh, gifts are gifts. They can be good gifts, but they make lousy gods, right? So we're not going to treat this like a god. So we're going to make sure you see that you can enjoy life and enjoy the Lord through all these other things too. Go outside and you can, you know, please go dig a hole in my backyard. That's okay, right? Uh, just don't put a screen in front of your face. 
So yeah, that's, that's why we do that, right? Because we understand the, the, the nature of our hearts and how we can turn things into idols, even, even things that are good gifts. Idols are often not obviously evil. They can be good things in our lives that have become supreme things in our lives. Let me give you an example. Um, our, our hearts, our, our, our brains kind of get this reward when we see these new things being posted on our phones. Uh, there's studies out there that show that, uh, you know, can, what the brain looks like whenever we're, we're looking at a social media feed or looking at different blog posts on, on a, uh, like a feedly feed of, of posts that you get delivered to you each day. And so you're, you're flipping through like a, a feed for something. And every time you get to something new that you, you're excited, oh, you, it's something else you can look at. And so I, I've, I've seen in my own life that I can get into um, a blog post feed and I say, okay, well, all these things are good. These are all Christian blogs. These are all people that are trying to edify my soul, but I'll spend time just like scrolling through and I'll neglect other things in my life and just kind of keep going, keep going. I can get stuck in this, this, this loop, this in kind of almost incessant, indulgent use of even good things, right? I, I've, got, I've got to know how the world works. I've got to have my, my, my finger on the pulse of our society if I'm going to be, be a good pastor. And then other things are neglected. Balls are dropped because I was doing that. So even something good like that in the way you use technology can become idolatrous, right? Um, technology can be an idol or it can be used to more readily and accessibly worship other idols, right? Like, like approval. We'll talk about that in a little bit more. Like approval of, you know, pe- people liking you, people um, affirming you and other idols like that. It's a, technology is a good gift, but a lousy God. Unmasking technology. Like any overindulgence, too much technology leads to neglect of God-given responsibilities. Okay, so let's talk about those. What are those God-given responsibilities? Neglecting the responsibility of relationships. What about family? We talked about that a little bit in the last hour. We can be sitting on the couch next to a wife or a child and be somewhere else completely different. Spatially, you're right next to that family member, right? But your mind is somewhere completely different than where they are. And they might be in a completely different place as well because they're on their device and you're on their device and you're right next to each other spatially, but there's no relating going on. You're just in the same location. And so we can say, yeah, I spent time with my family. No, no, you didn't. No, because you were on your phone the whole time, right? We can neglect the church. I'm sorry, you did have that sentence. I didn't realize that. We can also neglect the church. We looked at Hebrews 3 already last hour. Consider all the one another commandments of Scripture, right, that there are. There are many. There are dozens of one another commandments that we're to be obeying in relationship to other brothers and sisters in our local congregations. An overindulgent use of technology can keep us from others and even all people. We're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
And so we should be trying to influence our neighbors for Christ, teach them about Jesus, people at work, people, uh, people on our kids' baseball team or soccer team, etc. You contrast Paul's description of love in 1 Corinthians 13 with an overindulgent use of technology, um, some conviction ensues. <laughs> Think of this. Love is patient, right? But if we have our device out, we want to get, maybe, maybe want to get right back to it. Somebody comes and asks a question, one of our kids needs us, spouse needs us, we, but we so badly want to get back to what we were doing on our phones that we, we kind of take care of the problem real quick and then, then uh, we don't do the job that we ought to have done. We don't give uh, the time of day to sit and be still and listen and respond in a way that is loving and caring, kind. Like, um, Let's just be honest. When we're at dinner with a friend or a family member and you look across the table and the other person's on their phone for like half the meal, it's just rude, right? I mean, uh, and, and I've done it. Maybe you've done it, right? Where it's like, just, Hold on a minute. And, and they're sitting there waiting, you know, kind of eating their enchiladas, and you're supposed to be relating to that person, but you keep going back and forth to what's on your phone, right? So that's not kind, right? Love is, is not arrogant. Like, I, oh, what I have on my phone is so much more important than you right now, right? Think of the arrogance that's involved there. Love is not rude. We kind of talked about that a moment ago. Love does not insist on its own way. That goes back to the expressive individualism we talked about last hour that goes hand in hand with technology use a lot of the time, right? Um, it's not my way or the highway, like, but technology is, makes it uh, easy for us to have what we want in the moment. And so we can feed our uh, sinful heart desires when it comes to our own way. Love is not irritable or easily angered, right? So, um, you might be angered that the person interrupted you and what you were doing. And so you're, you're irritated because, um, of what they've said to you or how they've interrupted you. Consider with this the importance of face-to-face communication to combat shallow relationships. Look with me at 2 John and 3 John. Not too many times we turn, turn to 2 John and 3 John. But there is, man, there's a couple of statements at the end of uh, these two letters that speak to this issue of face-to-face communication. John writes in 2 John 12, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. He understands there's, there's going to be something better. If I can come to you and we can relate face to face, that's going to be better than if I write by pen and ink, right? Or by ink and paper. And and by the way, to write to you using paper and ink, that was the technology of the day, right? That was the technology of the day. And he's saying, I'd rather not do that. I want to come and talk to you face-to-face. That way our joy can be complete. He's prioritizing face-to-face communication. And then something similar is said at the end of 3 John, right? 13 and 14 there at the end of that letter. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. 
He understands the importance of relating to people, not uh, mediated through a device, though there's nothing innately bad about that. You, we should relate to each other through technology, but, but it is a priority and a, there's a better way to do that. And uh, if we're neglecting face-to-face communication for a mediated relationship, then there is a problem. Relationship through technology may be easier, but it doesn't mean it's better. And by the way, uh, thinking of kind of expressive individualism, relationship through technology can often be selfish because it's communication on your terms, right? Your timetable, your duration, right? That what the way you want it, your terms are the, are the terms for the communication. And so uh, there's no inconvenience. You have to inconvenience yourself for other people as much in that regard. It doesn't mean that we can't praise God for convenience. We ought to praise him for convenience. But we, we can feed our selfishness, I think, with technology if we let that become uh, a pattern. By the way, um, in Psalm 115, verses 4 through 8, there's uh, something interesting that the author writes about our idols. He, uh, he says, in starting in verse 4, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands, They have mouths but do not speak, eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel, feet but do not walk, and and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. You become like your idols is what the author is saying. And uh, there's an article by Tony Ranke on this where he says a way in which we relate to each other like this and, and use kind of technology and we idolize technology and we become like our technology. He says we end up uh, in our relationships and just giving tweet-like responses in a superficial conversation with little spiritual meaning. Right? I mean, just think of these little post updates, these, these tweets, these status updates. They're real short, and, and text can be that way too. Just, and so we, we lose substance in that, don't we? We lose depth of relationship in that. And that's a way that we can become like our idols when our idol is technology. By the way, going back to that, well, I'll talk about this, that in a moment. There's, a, there's another book where the two authors talk about how we need to remember as if we are using our devices to relate to people, remember that the person on the other side of this text, tweet, email, what have you, is an eternal being, right? Made in God's image. That's important, right? Because um, sadly, people will say things through technology that they wouldn't say face to face. Let's just be honest about that. You're like, would you really say that to that person's face if they were looking you in the eye? And so we need to remember that person is an eternal, an eternal being. Yes, I'm, I'm using a device to communicate this to them, but they are an eternal being made in God's image. Therefore they have dignity and value as an image bearer. And I treat them like that. Even if I'm using my phone, how has an overindulgent use of technology kept us from the responsibilities in our most important relationship? That it's our relationship to God. Overusing technology makes it more difficult for us to focus on God. And what I mean by that is it affects our meditation on Scripture, right? The, the one that 
prospers in Psalm 1 is he who meditates on the, day, on the law of the Lord day and night, right? And it's harder for us as we spend uh, time having our attention divided so thinly using our phones, it then becomes harder whenever we sit down and we really want to get to the bottom of this text, really relate to God and fellowship with him in the word, we find that our attention is darting everywhere, right? I don't know if that's, that's your um, experience. That, that's been my experience is I've got to kind of retrain myself to be still and to listen to the word and to focus on what God is saying. And instead of having, even when I don't even have my phone in my hand, my attention acts like I have my phone in my hand and it's going in every direction. So I've got to say, no, focus, come back to the text, come back to the text. We had to retrain ourselves because of that. It's a negative effect it has on our attention span, right? That affects our ability to memorize scripture, even because we always know where to get the information. We don't think that we have to retain it. Have you ever thought that before? Why do I have to memorize the word of God? Why do I have to hide God's word in my heart? If, if I've always got my phone with me, I can just go look it up. Well, when we memorize scripture, then it takes our heart and starts to shape it. Doesn't it? Of course, I want you to have easy access to the scriptures on your phone. That's a good tool. But when, when we cease to memorize the word and meditate on the word, we can, we can cease to have that effect of the word of God um, making us more like Christ from the inside out as the Spirit uses it. All right, so we, we don't want to give attention to that because, our, our, as, as one author says, uh, when we use technology in the wrong way, we're slicing our minds into a million different pieces. It becomes harder to concentrate. It can also affect our prayer life. Colossians 4.2 uh, it says, continue steadfastly in prayer, right? Another translation says, be devoted to prayer. And we sit down to pray, and there's, there's a, it's a little bit harder, I think, even to concentrate on prayer than it is the Word of God, because even when you've got the Word of God open and you say, my attention keeps focusing on other things as I'm thinking, but you can keep drawing your attention back to something on the page, right? In your prayer life, um, and, unless you, you've got... A, a list that you're going through. You're just trying to think of the different things you need to pray for. And that makes it even harder to concentrate if you've trained yourself to be distracted, right? So we, we need to separate ourselves from technology more so that we can learn to draw near to God more substantively in our relationship to him. Okay. Unmasking technology addiction what about the lust of self-promotion and approval? The lust of self-promotion and approval. Second Timothy 3, verse 2. I'm turn there. Something that Paul says just in passing is, is important. He talks about those in the last days and what characterizes them. Verse one, he says, but understand this, that in the last day, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self. That's the first thing he says, lovers of self. So you could say we're a selfie culture. Just look at the pictures, right? Um, and how we want to put pictures of ourselves all over the internet. I'm, I'm not saying don't ever take pictures of yourself, but I think that there's there's um, something 
it communicates what our values are, communicates what we think is most important. That's all we see, you know? Um, Think about it this way. Remember there's a a comedy that came out years ago, and there was a funny part to the movie because uh, um, the main character was walking around this man's apartment, and he had pictures of himself upon the wall. And she's walking by, and it's all just pictures of him, like um, and as she was walking toward the kitchen over the wall. And I thought, that's that's hilarious. But but we, we, that's funny. But we also we do that on on social media, like so. It's funny then when we're thinking about the movie. Why is it not funny that we're doing that when it comes to our our online uh, feeds and and our you know our personal page on Facebook or what have you, right? It's 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 laughable. And why are we promoting ourselves so? And there's also a, a hypocrisy that goes hand in hand with social media. If we use it wrongly, right? Because we're putting a version of ourselves forward that is not true. And we're shading ourselves in the best light, if we're honest, right? So um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, starting in verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Right? And then he goes on to talk about those who give to the needy, sounding, they, uh, it says, don't, don't do this, don't be like them. Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And he says, don't pray like the hypocrites either, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Um, is that something that you're doing or that your counselee is doing? And, that, and what effect does that have on somebody's soul? Are they feeding the flesh? Are they making provision for the flesh instead of denying themselves, right? Are they promoting their righteousness or promoting the goodness in their lives through their social media accounts? A social media version of ourselves, the one we promote is that one we want other people to see and to laud us for and, and to give us attaboys for and, and to give us likes for. Going along with this, going along with a self-promotion and a, a um, self-approval and the use of social media is also um, using technology in this way, a self-centered savior complex. When we have... Uh, when we can't disconnect, when we can't put our phone in the other room, maybe it's because we think people need me. Now, I understand if you've got your kids that you need to communicate with, that's, that's one thing. But if you need to be there so that every tweet that comes through or every text message or email or, or call or my, my wife uses Marco Polo, ladies, do you use that as well? Okay. Um, she uses Marco Polo all the time. You get that Marco Polo right when it drops. Like these people need me to respond right now. 
Like there's, there's a sense of self-importance, I think, that goes along with that. That's unnecessary and unhelpful. We, yes, we want to serve other people. We want to help other people. But at the end of the day, we're not savior. Jesus is. We're not in control. God is, right? Are we leaving things up to him or saying, no, I've got to have it with me. What if somebody needs me? What if they got to get a hold of me? It's okay to put your phone in the other room. And you should put your phone in the other room. You should disconnect at times, right? I'm not saying be unwise, but we had a, uh, <laughs> we had a, a professor uh, at the master seminary. He, he came out as an adjunct guy. He uh, teaches at Grove City College. And he's, uh, he teaches, one of the things he teaches there is media ecology. And so he, uh, he really promotes disconnecting from time to time. And he does it pretty frequently. Uh, I think it's every Thursday night he drives out into the woods he makes himself a fire. He sleeps in a hammock and, and he has no technology with him except for a flip phone that he keeps with him in case of emergency. That's it, you know, and he does it every Thursday night, you know, that just so that he can train himself to relate to God, relate to others and not be constantly distracted. And, and there should be a disconnecting. And some of, and part of that goes along with the fact that you're saying, I trust you, God, with this person. I trust you with what might happen here or there. I don't need, you know what? It's okay if I answer them tomorrow, right? If I send that email back, I understand there are emergency situations where you have to have the phone next to you. But I think sometimes you can honestly put that aside and say, yeah, it, it won't be the end of the world if I don't get back right away. So a self-centered savior complex. Um, let's, we use technology in that way sometimes, I think. I think, what else did I say? Okay, yeah. You can entrust others to God's care. He's perfectly capable. He's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, omnibenevolent, right? You're not. I'm not. He's everywhere all the time. He's all-knowing. We don't have to pretend like we're all-knowing. We're never going to get there. We don't have to pretend like we're omnipresent. We're not. We're not God. Let's let God be God. Trust him with that. This is important because we constantly check our phones as if our friends can't live without us, as if we must be there immediately for every need and desire they have. And part of, another part of uh, the self-focus of using technology is this. You ever heard of this terminology? Fear of missing out? FOMO? People say, you know, I, I appreciate when people just don't use the acronyms. They actually tell me what it means because I get lost sometimes. I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. You're going to have to explain that to me. I got a friend who does that. And like, I'll have to write back and say, what does that mean? In full sentences. That's how I text. Fear of missing out. What, what, what do we need to remember about a fear of missing out? And, and so this is how we use social media. We're like, uh, we check social media because we don't want to miss out on something important that happens. Or we want, don't want to miss out on being somewhere where people are doing something that we want to be doing with them. So what can we preach to our hearts? Okay, listen to this. Turn with me to Ephesians. Ephesians 2. We just got through preaching through Ephesians at my church recently, and I loved it. I, you know, it is my new favorite book of the Bible. And there's, there's a theme that we see going throughout Ephesians. Really, I think it's the, the main theme of what... Paul is communicating, but 
Um, there's that section of chapter 2 starting in verse 1 where he talks about how you're, you're dead in your trespasses. But then in verse 4 of chapter 2 he says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, so why did he do that? Verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He did this to show his kindness, to show his love. Okay, We see some similar language in chapter 3, starting in verse 8. To me, Paul writes, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So the gospel is is about God highlighting himself through us, right? And even to the rulers and authorities, which which is the angelic realm. He's putting himself on display through the church. Okay, so we kind of summarize the whole book of Ephesians like this. Um, In God's cosmic theater, right? In God's cosmic theater, the church stands center stage, highlighting God's glory and his wisdom for the world and the angelic realm, something like that. In other words, through your salvation in Christ, God is highlighting himself. Through the spirit working in you as you obey, he's highlighting his wisdom, his glory, and his grace. No matter where you are and no matter what you're doing, that's true, right? And so you don't have to be where the other people are doing the fun thing that you want to be doing. You can be at home doing something boring and God is highlighting himself through you as you trust him and obey him, even in the most mundane of moments of your life. Okay, so... Wherever you are, you're highlighting God's grace and wisdom. Think of it that way. You're putting him on display through your submission in the spirit and in the salvation he's given you in Christ. You're highlighting him. So you don't have to be doing something that you think is super important or you you can miss out on something and it's okay because the most important thing in the world is that you would highlight God's glory and you're doing that. You can do that in the most mundane of circumstances. Also, another unmasking is this, the love of amusement, all right? So if we're still in Ephesians, you look at uh, Ephesians 5, 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we've got to remember that, um, an overindulgence in amusement reveals a, a lack of prioritization and stewardship of the opportunities that the Lord has given us. Right? So, and this is kind of, I don't know if you watch these or not, but cat videos on YouTube <laughs> become more, you know, those can become more important, right? Than being a good steward of your time at work, for instance. So just got to be careful that we're, Uh, Not amusing ourselves to death, as the old book title says. Okay. Last unmasking. I'm sorry, no, we've got two more points. Provocation to anxiety, depression, and anger. Okay? Through technology. Provocation to anxiety, depression, and anger. 
Anxiety is encouraged as we are constantly bombarded with all of the evil and suffering in the world. That can be a, a provoking toward an unsettled heart in that regard. Depression is encouraged as we constantly compare ourselves to other people. They have something that I don't have. I wish I were like that. I wish my kids were like that. Anger is encouraged as we constantly subject ourselves to outrage, the outrage and the vitriol of the internet. Going along with that, when it comes to anger as well, um, remember that the text in Scripture referring to the tongue apply to online life as well. Right? To your online life, you need to apply all of the Scripture texts that deal with the tongue or the mouth and the words that you use. Okay? So it's, yeah, you, you need to make sure that what you're typing, what you're you know, using your thumbs to convey, that also um, is an application point when it comes to James chapter 3 on the tongue, right? And uh, in verses like Proverbs 18, 13, right? Which says that a, um, let's see, if he gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. These are things we need to apply to our online life. Okay, we can also use technology as a way to avoid. Avoiding boredom, right? So we actually end up inhibiting creativity, inhibiting excellence because we're just trying to not be bored like I did whenever I was a kid and I just spent all this time looking in the pantry again. That was, that was my social media. Like I would open the pantry door and stand there during the summers and look around as if something different had, had taken place in the last 24 hours, right? No one had been to the store, right? The only thing on the shelf were still Vienna sausages, okay? So... <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I, my sister loved them. My sister loved them. So no, no shame. Avoiding hardship. We use technology to avoid hardship. I don't want to think about it. I don't. I, it's an escape, right? I don't have to deal with hardship if I'm just if I'm just using technology to get out. Okay. When we should be running to God in hardship. When we run to technology, instead we miss out on real help and real joy in the midst of our trials. Psalm 18 shows us the real help that we receive, right? Whenever David writes, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Look at all of those designations. It's piled up in verse 2. In our hardship, we need to run to him and find him to be all of these things and not try to escape using technology. Okay. The biblical way out. Yeah, I'm sorry. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, you can think of, of somebody who, let's say, let's, let's talk about marriage for a moment. Okay. So their, their marriage life is unfulfilling to them or their marriage life is, uh, it's just contentious. So there's lots of like backbiting and there's lots of snarky remarks and things like that. And so they're at work and they get home and instead of trying to love the other person and really be there for them and serve them in some way, uh, they try to avoid and escape 
the, uh, the, the tension escape, the lack of fulfillment and the, the loveless marriage that they go home to through, um, through opening up their phone and saying, what, can, what, what fulfillment can I get from these other people, right? Uh, these videos. So they feel, this is the, the dangerous thing about technology as well. You feel like you're in relationship when you're not, right? You can be looking at videos of other people who don't know you who don't have any connection to you, right? And you're and reading uh, of all these people that are not in your sphere of influence at all, and you feel like you're relating, but you're really not, right? And so that's a way to avoid real relationship or, or the, the pain of something that you wish were different and better. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. Yes. Okay, yes. The tongue, yes, sorry. Sorry, yes. Remember that the text in the scripture referring to the tongue apply to online life as well. Yes. Okay. Biblical way out. Realize that no one can serve two masters. Right? You can't serve God and money, Matthew 6.24. It's got to be one or the other. And by the way, you know this to be true. Big tech does not have your best interest in mind. They're they're not looking out for your spiritual health, right? The spirit of the internet internet is not neutral because the things that are out there come from people and people have sin in their hearts, right? It's not neutral. So we've got to be prepared for that. You know, it, it kind of makes me think of Vanity Fair and Pilgrim's Progress, you know, when you get out there on the internet. So that's be confronted with that reality first. You can't serve two masters. Who are you going to serve? It must be Jesus. If you belong to, to him, if you call yourself a Christian, your master is Christ, not technology. And you worship your way into this. And by God's grace, you've got to worship your way out. A quote from Timothy Lane from some years ago in a book I read by him. You worship your way into this. You got to worship your way out. So, so in other words, um, the don't go so quickly to the, the do's and do nots. Right? The, I've got to. Okay, that means I've got to have a, a technology fast over here, and I'm going to make sure that I, I delete my social media accounts and things like that. No, you've got to worship your way out. I mean, God's got to be the focus. If you're really going to get out of this hole, then God has to be the one that you are delighting in, treasuring, and worshiping. He's the focus. Change is God-centered always. I said this to um, the, the, first, um, the, the first class I was teaching this morning in, the, in track one. I went to the ACBC National Conference. Did we talk about doxological counseling last time? Did we talk about that? How the glory of God impacts counseling? There was a, I don't think we did because I see some blank stairs. Okay, so um, Omri Miles, this uh, guy who's on staff at a church in Arizona, taught a breakout session at the ACBC National Conference in Memphis. And it was the most uh, influential part of the, the conference for me because he talked about how the, the glory of God must always be the goal for counseling. And uh, Keith Palmer, actually, when I, when I told him how much I got out of this session, he goes, yeah, biblical counseling is the only kind of counseling that puts the glory of God as the end result, right? So uh, that has to remain the end result because you know what? Um, technology is here. Technology is not going away. Right, so that's not and getting rid of all technology is not the goal here. Right, the goal is to glorify the Lord. 
by your use of technology and, and with the frequency with which you use technology. But um, sometimes we think just getting the problem out of the way is the solution. Like get all the, the extremities, all the circumstances, all the devices, all of the media accounts. Let's just take that off the table and then the problem will be solved. We don't have to worry about anything anymore. But you can still be worshiping other things. You can just switch idols, right? So God's got to remain. The glory of God's got to remain the goal of counseling always. Seek the Lord in repentance, right? Don't ever skip over that part of the process. Our well-known text of Scripture from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can use Psalm 51, right? as a, a model of repentance and for repentance vocabulary. I, I, I love some of the, the line, I mean, I love all the lines there, but some of my, I use regularly in my prayers of confession to the Lord. When he, when he says, um, against you and you only have I sinned and done what was evil in your sight. When he says, um, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Uphold me with a willing spirit, right? Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and take take the lines from from Psalm fifty one and use those in your prayer of repentance or the prayers of repentance for your counselees. Believe that if you are in Christ, you have been forgiven and rejoice. Right, rejoice in your forgiveness. Praise Him for your forgiveness. So Ephesians one verse seven, right this. Wonderful, glorious, long sentence in Ephesians chapter 1. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us. So rejoice in your forgiveness. Oh, by the way, I, I, uh, I wanted to include this. I forgot that I included this. So I just drew this on um, my, little, my, my pad here. Um, what we often do when we're convicted over sin, like let's say maybe even you're convicted here and you're like, man, I've really got to make some changes. I see idolatry in my heart with my use of technology and you're convicted. And what we usually do is we go straight to change, right? And so we rely on ourselves. We have a self-focus. We start uh, adding things to our to-do list, th- things to cut out of our lives and uh, the, the, the new disciplines that we have to put in our lives and things like that. Well, that's the wrong way to go about change. Biblical change, right? Christ-centered change is I go to God first, right? I got to go to him. I can confess Psalm 51. I've got to request his help. Um, I've got to pray for him to create me a clean heart and restore to me the joy of your salvation. I need him. I go to him first. And when I go to him, then I'm requesting his help and I get his divine aid. Titus 2 talks about his grace that trains us to renounce ungodliness and I have a divine focus, right? Uh, at the end of Psalm 51, David says, um, if you will do this for me, if you will clean me, if you will create me a clean heart, if, if, you will, um, if you will restore to me the joy of your salvation, verse 13, he says, then I will teach transgressors your ways, right? And so his focus is now where it needs to be. It's on serving the Lord and serving uh, sinners by teaching them of God. And so then you go to change. Then you start um, saying, okay, I've got to replace these habits with these habits. I've got to start uh, cutting these things out of my life. But you don't want to do it without God. You must not cut God out of the equation. This is just morality, right? 
This is lifeless, godless morality. We've got to go to God in confession, get his divine aid and, his, and a focus on him so that we can change in the right way. Okay. You guys got that? <laughs> if you need to come up here and take a picture of this later, I, I can bring this back up. Yeah. I like to draw charts, you know? I don't want to do like a digital thing. I'd rather just do it with pen. Okay. Seriously evaluate your use of technology to see if you're using it for the glory of God, right? I'm pretty sure that at Psalm 115, one, <laughs> put that down there. If you, it's Psalm 115 verse one. It's the one that says, not to us, but to your name, give glory, right? Not to us, not to us, O Lord, but to your name, give glory. So are you using it for yourself or for God is the question. You may have to have a technology fast. That, that would be a good thing. It would, be, um, it would be beneficial to you if you replace that with things where you're seeking the Lord and you're trying to retrain yourself to meditate upon him and pray to him. That would be a, a beneficial thing for you. And, and by the way, um, this is, there is such a problem. And I know we, we don't turn to, to psychology and lean on psychology, but it's, isn't it telling that they have even a phobia that they've entered into psychological terminology for someone being without their phone? Right? There's, there's a phobia out there for people who don't have their phones and the anxiety that's induced as a result of that. Right? So uh, it's, a, it's a good thing if we're that attached. We need to do a technology fast. <clears throat> when you come back from the fast, have a plan in place for when and how you will use technology. Right? Don't just come back and have nothing prepared for you as a goal. Like you can come back and, and you just can go back right where you started from. So you've got to have a plan for whenever you return. And you can, you can talk to other people who, who uh, take the Lord seriously, take his word seriously. People at your church can help you develop a good plan so that you can walk that path faithfully. You may want to put a curfew on your devices, right? Put your phone in a different part of the house, Communicate more directly as well through, through email or text or another messenger app, right? Instead of just doing it all on social media, uh, have maybe communicate more directly with people so it's, it's more about a, a personal relationship and less about yourself promoting yourself. And by the way, uh, I remember Tim Challies recommended this so that you can, uh, so you're not subjected to the, the endless feeds on social media. Uh, one of the ways that you can still get information and, and not be uh, on social media all the time is to su subscribe to newsletters instead of scrolling through feeds. So uh, like if there's a ministry you want to look for or there's um, there's like I, I subscribe to a lot of these Christian bookstores like Westminster Theological Seminary's bookstore or, you know, TGC's bookstore because I want to know what new books are coming out. And so I just sign up for their newsletter. You know, I don't I don't follow them on Facebook. So that it just goes directly to your email inbox and you can look in an email and then there's not this endless supply of feeds that for you to go through and get lost in. That may be a way for you to add um, some wisdom to your plan. And this, is, this comes from my friend Ben. I love this. He, he says, we need to go to the internet like you go to the garage to get a tool. You don't live in the garage. 
right? So he said, treat the internet like that. Like I got to, if you need to go to the internet to, to find some facts out, do some research, go out there, you know, go, go, go get it, but don't live on the internet, right? I go out to the garage and I get my tools and I come back and I, and I work on the project. I don't live in my garage. Don't live on the internet to go out to the internet to get something, then come back to real life, right? Use it as a tool to help you in that way and don't live out there. Take the time to pray before you use technology. We do this at mealtime to focus on God, right? Why not do it before we use technology? You thank him for technology and ask him to help you use it for his purposes. Start your day out with God instead of technology, right? It sets the tone for the day. It sets the tone for the day. L- listen to a few of these verses that I've got highlighted. Um, Psalm 90, verse 14. Listen to this real quick. It's the only psalm that Moses wrote. Did you know that? Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Satisfy us in the morning. Or what about Psalm 143, verse 8. Listen to this one. This is helpful as well. 43 verse 8. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Right? One more, Psalm 119 verse 148. <clears throat> My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. And by the way, um, so that you start out your mornings with the Lord and it sets the tone for the day, you may need to use a physical Bible. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe your counselees don't do that. A lot of people use Bibles on their phones. Um, I would give just an element of wisdom. If your phone is there and that's why, why, how you're using um, your phone to draw near the Lord and use the Bible app that you've got, and that's, that's all great and good, but there's also notifications on your phone, right? There's, there's little alarms that go off. There's, there's lights that go off. There are distractions. There's, there's a million other things you can do with your phone, right? And you could think of, oh, I need to go check my bank account. Just go over there real quick. I'll get back to, I'll get back to the word in just a second. Oh yeah, I forgot. I was supposed to, to email that guy last night. And so you can do so many different things with your phone. But if you put that in the other room and you have a physical Bible, well, that's all you've got in your lap, right? Just the word of God. Right? And so it would be less distracting for you if you just use a physical copy. Right? Again, that's not a law. That's just some wisdom for you if you think about it. Train yourself to meditate on God's word. You might want to journal to meditate. Maybe pray over God's word and through God's word to meditate. Maybe you discuss the scripture that you, you uh, read with uh, your spouse or with a friend so you can, it can help you to really uh, ring that scripture out for all it's worth but retrain yourself to meditate on God's word. Start replacing some of your technological relating with face-to-face relating. (laughs) That's important. Learn how to ask questions. Listen and respond thoughtfully and considerately. There's an article that Chris Martin, uh, who's kind of an author that writes on Christians and technology a lot, his, uh, I thought this was helpful. He has an article that's titled Matters That Are Too Important for Social Media. And he, and he says, there are some things that you don't need to be posting. 
Uh, there, there are things that you just need to do. You need to go talk to that person one-on-one or there are some things that are too sensitive to even put on social media because social media trivializes it, right? And so just ask the Lord to give you discernment. What things should just be between small groups of people or individuals and what kind of things are, are so serious that I even shouldn't put them on, on social media in the first place because it trivializes it, you know? To ask those kinds of questions. And prioritize relationships in your closest circles of influence. What do I mean by that? Think of concentric circles, right? We, th- we think we've got to know everything that's going on in the lives of people that we haven't seen in 20 years. Right? Why? I mean, that's, I mean I, obviously I want you to, to pray for those people. I think that's a good thing. But we can neglect more important relationships. Think of concentric circles. The first circle being the, the most important in your life your relationship to God, right? That should um, be the focus and that should be the reason why we have all of our other relationships and all the other relationships we have ought, ought to be about that relationship first and foremost. So we ought to be devoting ourselves to him first and foremost as the, the, the central aspect of all of life. Next, next concentric circle that goes out from that would be um, your personal family, like your, your spouse or your kids, right? And then your church family and then your neighborhood and then your community. But we tend to act like things that are going on, you know, on the other side of the world or on the other side of the country are more important than those concentric circles, right? The, the less, uh, less close they are to the middle, the less important they are. So really invest in those relationships that are closest to the middle for you. And those should take more of your prioritization of relationship, Use social media as a platform to promote God and not to promote self. Let the love of Christ propel you to exalt him and not yourself, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. Let the love of Christ control you. And then he says, uh, we were, right, like we talked about earlier, uh, we were saved from ourselves so that we would promote him, right? Live for him and not ourselves. And use social media as a way to build up and encourage others, right? Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, Ephesians 4.29, but only that which is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. There was a, uh, I went to, I used to have a blog for a couple of years that I kept up regularly. And I was at a, a breakout session at like T4G, I think, for, for Christian bloggers. And they said, what you need to do is go to your computer and tape, uh, like take a three by five card and write the word edify on it and then put it uh, on the side of your computer so that whenever you blog, you're, you're seeking just to edify. You're not trying to tear people down. You're not trying to, to uh, you know, just make a name for yourself. You're seeking to edify the body of Christ. And so I thought that was helpful, right? Use it for God, not for yourself. Silence your, son, your cell phones at times and turn off certain notifications. And remember, if it beeps or blinks, you don't have to check it, right? You're not a slave to it. You don't have to, right? It's going to be okay. Use the reminders on your phone for prayer and scripture meditation or to text someone an encouraging word like we referred to earlier. Get mastery over your technology. Don't let it master you. I love this from Paul when he talks about his body in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says this. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. 
he's, he's doing that to his body. He's disciplining himself so that he can make sure that he continues to be faithful. We need to make sure that we're not just doing that with our bodies, but also the technology that we use, right? Getting mastery over it. It's, we, we're going to use it. It's, it's, this is a tool for me to serve the Lord. It's not going to use me for its own purposes or, or Satan's not going to take this and, and use this to control me or my heart's not going to use this and it's sinful impulses to control me. I, by the grace of God and this power of the spirit, are going to use it for the glory of God. And when you are with people physically, seek to be with them mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, right? In first Peter three, eight calls us to certain qualities that we all ought to have in our relationships to each other. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Be there in those dispositions with those people when you're there. Don't be somewhere completely different on your device. Be there with them. It was said of Francis Schaeffer, I read a biography of him um, several years ago, and said that uh, one of the, the blessings of his ministry is that when people were in a conversation with him, they felt like there was nobody else in the room. Right? Um, that's the kind of care, Christ-like care, that we can communicate in a relationship with others. So, All right, that's it. I'm five minutes over. Sorry, guys. Hopefully uh, the lines are not too long. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father God, thank you for giving us this time. May it be beneficial to us as we seek to use technology for your glory and help others to do the same. Lord, thank you for technology as a gift, but may it not be our God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.